Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Say to someone next to you, it's good to see you. Oh, the sincerity in the room is unbelievable. Um, yeah, off the charts. Students, welcome back. Uh, I've just got one little brotherly word of advice to you, young students. You might think that you can live on free dominoes. Um, it's amazing for like three weeks. And after that, your skin starts going a little bit gray. And um, you might want to be introduced to a vegetable at some point. And just one carrot, that's all I'm saying. One little bit of cucumber, just something to help you. Um, but we do love you students. I have tried myself just to live on dominoes for a whole year. And um, it's amazing, but not great. So there's my little bit of advice, is that okay? Um, we are doing a series uh, looking at the kingdom of God. And what did Jesus mean when he talked about the kingdom of God? And we're doing this by looking in the Gospel of Matthew. And today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and uh, if you remember when we uh, spoke about this a few weeks ago, I said the kingdom of God, the kind of shape of it in Matthew is a little bit like an hourglass. Uh, where you know, you're, you're saying, let the kingdom of heaven come. God, let your kingdom come. Let all the goodness that's in God, let it come and transform all the brokenness of the earth. Uh, but the reality is that the kingdom doesn't just kind of dump out of heaven in one go and change everything. It comes slowly and locally and personally, and it comes through us. And so when we're praying, God, your kingdom, let it come, actually what we're talking about is us as people who are looking to the king, receiving something from God, filtering it through our own personal response, our own understanding, our own obedience, and only then does it come out and there's fruitfulness. So there's kingdom in and then kingdom out, if you like. There's it going deep into us and then it going wide into our town and changing people's lives. If you like, there's kind of Sunday is kingdom in and then Monday, uh, back at work, back at university, back whatever it is that you do on a Monday, is kingdom out to other people. And today, what we're really going to look at in Matthew chapter 13 is talking about the kingdom in bit. So how do we receive kind of all this wonderful stuff from God? What does it look like to come into our lives and, and process that, digest that personally so that then it can come out of us? I've been um, thinking about my dad a lot this week. We lost my dad about a year ago and I just had, you know, grief is funny, sometimes it just hits you, and it just kind of hit me this week. Um, but one of the things that my dad always used to say to us when we were young, all the time, was make sure you chew every mouthful 20 times. Uh, and I could never, I mean, he, you know, he grew up in the war, I couldn't figure out if it's like they didn't have a lot of meat in the war, so they wanted to make it last as long as possible. But it was probably the instruction that he gave us most in our childhood, Seriously, make sure that you chew every mouthful 20 times. And we would sit and watch him at the dinner table. And as he got older, he didn't have a lot of teeth. You know? and, just, and I'm sitting there thinking, why, why is this so important that you're laboring it and laboring it? And I'm reflecting, I think he was telling me a parable. I think that he was saying to me over and over again, think deeply about things. Don't be in a hurry. 
digest things properly, absorb them. And the reason that's important is because today's story is really about that. Jesus, in Matthew 13, the disciples are going to ask him, why do you teach people in parables? And Jesus is going to explain it to them in a way that's quite hard to understand. And the reason he's going to, he's going to explain to them the answer by using a parable. So he's going, to, he's going to give them a parable about parables. And the reason he's going to do that is because he's saying, I don't, there isn't an easy answer that I'm just going to put in your hand. You need to digest. You need to think about this. You need to digest this. And um, uh, all the way through Matthew, Jesus teaches a lot in parables. And he's always saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he'll say, it's like a seed, or it's like a farmer, or it's like a fisherman, or it's like someone with a field. You know, and so, because he's saying, if I want to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like, you wouldn't understand. And so I have to use kind of concrete things that you understand to make it personal for you. But that requires us to do a little bit of thinking and digesting and chewing and processing. And um, a, a parable, uh, you know, these kind of little stories that Jesus told, I think a parable is a bit like a TARDIS, if you've ever seen Doctor Who. A TARDIS is a, it, it's a, on the outside it's quite a little box, but when you get inside, it's enormous. I've never understood how that works, but then you realize it's science fiction and it's not real, right? But a parable is a bit like that. It's a little story, but inside it, there's actually massive ideas. So they're like huge ideas about the kingdom of God folded into a tiny little story. Um, a parable is a little bit like a Trojan horse. Do you remember the, the story, maybe you heard it at school, about the Greeks uh, invading the city of Troy? And the, the, for two years, they besieged the city and, and threw rocks at it and beat on the walls, and they couldn't get in. And so they said, aha, what we need is we need a trick, we need a ploy. So they remove all their army and hide them all on the beach, and they just leave this big wooden horse. And then the people from Troy, they come out and they go, oh, what a beautiful wooden horse. And they open their gates, and they bring the wooden horse in, but hidden inside the wooden horse as some soldiers who invade the city from the inside. And a parable is a little bit like that. Sometimes if you're arguing with people and trying to persuade them and you're just hitting a brick wall, actually maybe a little story, something beautiful, something sweet can disarm their defenses, sneak past their protection and invade their heart. And that's what Jesus does here. He uses parables to get inside people. A parable is a little bit like a, a slow-release pill, some medication uh, when you take it, it takes 24 hours to work into your system. Uh, it doesn't just dump all of that medical goodness into you in one go. It's got a thick outer shell that takes 24 hours to properly dissolve in your stomach. And the medicine just takes 24 hours to work into your system. And that's a smart thing. And parables are a bit like that. And in fact... That is exactly what's going to be happening in some of us today as we look at these parables. That's what happens. You're going to take it and think, I didn't really understand that. What on earth was that bloke talking about today? No idea. He said something about carrots and pizza at the beginning, and then I was lost. Right? But it's going to work inside you over the next 24 hours, over the next week, over the next month. 
and it's going to release its juicy goodness inside you as your subconscious even digests it. And it brings healing and wellness inside us. And so a parable is a bit like that. A parable is a bit like, as Jesus will say in, the, in today's story, a seed, you know, a tiny little seed. But the whole tree is in the seed. It just needs time to come out. And so parable is a tiny little thing. And it's important because how does the kingdom come? Well, one of the major ways in the Gospel of Matthew is through the declaration of the word of God through parables. And then they need digesting. They're small, they're unremarkable, they're strange little stories. But as we digest them, they release all of this goodness. They invade us. They work inside us and they bear fruit, just like a seed under the soil that in time grows into a harvest. So there was once uh, a man called Adolf Julica, a uh, hundred years ago, and he was a German theologian. And he made this really, look at this, quite a scary photo. And in those days, they didn't smile in photos very much. Um, and he made this kind of observation in theology. He said, a parable only has one point. Uh, so any parable in the Bible. And it's, it's a very kind of European German way to think, actually. Let's make it quite efficient. Let's cut to the chase. Every parable that Jesus told was only really about one thing. It's quite efficient. It's a nice principle to give people. It's very reductionist. Uh, but for 1,900 years before Julica, the church had found these parables to be enormous inside and had sat inside them and enjoyed them and explored them. And so actually what Julica did was he, he, he really reduced the idea of parables to something very mundane and very boring. The reason I'm saying that, so can we just put up the uh, uh, cancelled Julica? There we go. Um, the reason I'm saying that is you may have heard in church over the years, people say to you, oh, a parable only has one point, really. And I think we miss so much of the power and the goodness of what Jesus is teaching his people uh, in these rich and dense stories if we just reduce it to, oh, there's just one kind of moral point in each story. So I am officially cancelling Julica this morning. You're welcome. And so into our passage, uh, Matthew 13 and verse 10. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Uh, now, I love the disciples, right? Why do you speak to them in parables? In other words, they're going, Jesus, those poor people over there don't really understand. What they're really saying is, we don't understand. <laughs> but why do you speak to them in parables? Please help them understand, you know. And um, now Jesus could have answered this question uh, methodologically. The reasons I tell parables are these kind of technical reasons about storytelling uh, from communication theory. Jesus could have said, stories are easy to remember and then easy to tell other people. It's true. Uh, Jesus could have said stories are powerful for learning because they don't just engage your brain, they engage your emotions and your imagination, and it, it's a good way of learning. It's true. He could have said uh, parables are important because they take abstract realities and make them concrete. They take conceptual ideas about the kingdom of heaven and they make them every day and down to earth and real and dirty. Um, those are all true, but that's not how Jesus answered and uh, because Jesus very rarely talks about methodology. Jesus is always talking about theology. Um, he's always trying to show people something about God. And that's true when he answers this question. 
So this is his answer, verse 11. He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And the disciples are scratching their head and going, we asked you why you say complicated things and you answered with another complicated thing. (laughs) Thanks. And then he says, for to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so it's a hard couple of verses to understand. It's a parable, if you like. It's another riddle. Um, and what Jesus says first is in verse 11 is he says, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking to his disciples and he's saying, the, the most important thing here that you understand is there's a grace thing. It's the grace of God. God, for whatever reason... Peter, you smelly fisherman, has chosen you and has given you to know these things. They've been hidden from the wise and the learned, from the Pharisees and all the people that read all the books, but he's given it to you. Why? Because in the sovereign plan of God, he chose you because he loved you and he wanted you in his family. And to others, it hasn't been given. And so the first thing is like this kind of wow, this grace, this election, this sovereignty of God thing. And if you're here today and you're part of the family of God and you've just been at the table and eaten communion with us, you know, you think, why, why me? And the answer is, because it was given to you. It was given to you to know. And to someone in another place at another time, it wasn't given to them. And there's a mystery in that. But it takes it all off of us. Oh, well, I'm here because I'm I'm cleverer than other people, or I had faith and they didn't, or, you know, no, you're here because it was given to you. It was a gift. It was a grace thing. And so that's the first thing he says. To you it's been given. And then he says this, and to the one who has, more will be given. That's incredible, right? That's the grace of God. To you it's been given, and more will be given. Grace upon grace, like wave upon wave from the ocean of his love and abundance. To you it's been given and to the one who has more will be given. Um, And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so uh, he's talking about revelation begets revelation. Understanding produces more understanding. If you've received the seed of the kingdom of heaven, as we're going to see in a moment, seeds produce fruit and fruit produces more seeds. And that produces more fruit. And so if, it's, if there's life in the garden of your heart by the grace of God, then it will produce more life because that's what living things do. Uh, Tom and Hannah Riches, uh, Tom uh, told me a lovely story this week about his tomatoes. And um, there's a lot I didn't know about tomatoes and now I know a lot more and I'm very grateful to Tom for that. Um, but uh, Tom said Hannah took... Um, 20 tomato seeds from a tiny little tomato. One tomato, 20 seeds. And some of them she planted in her garden, and others she gave to her neighbor to plant in their garden, and others she gave to the Whitley Children's Center and planted in their garden. And they've all produced tomatoes. And then they've taken seeds out of those tomatoes and planted more of them. So they said in this first cycle this year, they had about 200 tomatoes. So from one tomato, they got 200 tomatoes. 
And they said, basically, if you go to someone in the church's house in the Whitley area, you're probably eating one of my tomatoes. <laughs> um, and then they're taking seeds out of those and giving them to more people. And, and, and so it's a very simple thing, but they're going, well, from one tomato, we got 200 in this one little cycle, but then we can plant them again and get more. We could fill Whitley with Tom's tomatoes, you know. Um, and, and so, but there's this thing about the one who has will be given more. That's what Jesus is saying here. There's, if there's life, if there's fruitfulness in it, it will multiply itself. It will grow, it will make fruit, that will make more seeds, and there'll be power in it. And that's why the parable of the sower is such a powerful parable about grace, the sovereignty of God, understanding, chosenness, revelation. And uh, that's what we're going to see here. Because Jesus is explaining what it's like for the kingdom of God to come, for the king to come. And he's basically saying it's really different than you would have expected. Maybe you thought the kingdom of God will come really visibly. But he says the kingdom of God is coming actually quite invisibly. Tiny little seeds hidden in the soil. Maybe you thought the kingdom of God was going to come all at once. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God is coming gradually. Like a little seed that grows a bit, produces some fruit. More seed grows a bit. Maybe you thought the kingdom of God was going to come fully formed and just be given to you. And he says, no, the kingdom of God comes uh, small and growing and alive, but it forms as it grows. Maybe you thought the kingdom of God was going to come direct from heaven, just a heaven dump. Um, no, the kingdom of God comes through you, through your response, through your understanding, through your obedience, through your application. And so he's saying the kingdom of God comes really differently than the way that you would expect. And so he says, verse 13, that's why I speak to them in parables. Uh, so it's about understanding. Do you understand? It's about getting it. Do you get it? <laughs> and um, that's why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, and this is from Isaiah chapter 6, you will hear indeed, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but you'll never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But, disciples, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and didn't see it, and to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. Now the one thing you'll notice from that long passage is the words see and hear and understand and eyes and heart and ears repeat over and over and over again. And that's important because in the next bit that we read, those themes carry on. And sometimes we divide these two bits of this passage up, but actually it's all part of the same thing that Jesus is saying. And so it carries over into the next bit. Here then, the parable of the sower. So now he's going to explain to these disciples in secret uh, the parable that he's just told to everyone, which was the parable of the sower. It's one of the more famous 
bits of Christian teaching. A sower goes out to sow, sprinkles the seed everywhere. Um, some bits of the soil are too shallow. On some bits, they're too rocky. On some bits, birds come and take the seed away. And some bits are good soil, and the seed falls in, and it grows. And so Jesus has just told that parable. And everyone would have got it, uh, because the way they farmed in Palestine was a little bit different to the way we farm here. Uh, they didn't plow first. They sowed first. And after they'd put the seed everywhere, then they would plow, which is the other way around than, than we do it here. Not that any of us in Reading really understand farming. But, you know, we've got a big, um, we've got a big agricultural department at Reading University. But did anyone ever go there? No. Oh, one of us. There you go. Um, and so... Uh, and the way they do it is you'd get your sack of seeds and tie it onto your donkey and then cut a hole in the bottom of the sack and whack your donkey. And the donkey would go through your field and the seed would just get sprinkled everywhere, willy-nilly. And uh, when you look at the soil, it all looks the same on the surface, uh, because you're sowing at the back end of the year and it's all kind of dried out. and So it all looks the same, but obviously some bits of soil are the really deep, rich bits. Some bits have rocks in it. Some bits, the path is kind of underneath there. Obviously not a concrete path, just a hard bit of soil. But it's all, on top it all looks the same. And Jesus is saying exactly that. He's saying, when you look at people, it's impossible to know from the outward appearance what people's hearts are like and how they're going to receive the kingdom of God. But the seed is given, and then different hearts respond in different ways. And so that's the story that he's told, and the disciples have gone, can you explain it to us? So now he's taken them aside, and he's going to explain it to them. And I think they're going to be even more confused afterwards. Um, verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. And so he's saying you hear this word about the kingdom of heaven, but you don't understand it. Now, this word understand, um, the Greek sinientos, it means to put something together. So it actually means to, to put, you know, he said the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's to put those things together. And to, and to do the work of trying to understand it. To go two plus two equals, you know, <laughs> four, right? But like to, 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 to try and understand it. To do, there's some work here in this word. And the reason that's important is because sometimes we go, well, I don't understand. You know, he understands, I don't understand. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. But to understand actually means to, to process, to digest, to do the work, to think about it, to talk about it with your friends, to talk about it at lunch after church. You know, did you understand? You know, and, and, and do the work together. Um, and so there's a responsibility here to think. And then he says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So shallow, shallow soil, shallow, shallow soil um, and it, 
it can't put a root down because there's a little bit of soil on the surface, but then rocks underneath. And so it's just there. So when we're talking about chewing 20 times or digesting, you know, it's, it's, it's the person who hasn't taken it inside them and thought about it and worked on it and allowed it to work inside of them. So you receive the word with grace, but then you don't do the work to understand and let it get a root in your life. Um, and so then when things get difficult, it's very easy to fall away because it hasn't put the roots down deep inside you that holds the soil together. Um, it's like, you know, one of the reasons that there's so much flash floods in some places at the moment that are so destructive is because of deforestation. Because when there are trees in a place, the roots go deep and they hold the soil together. They hold the land together. Um, but when there's been lots of deforestation, all the trees are cut down. Then when a big storm comes, nothing's holding the soil together. And so the rain kind of washes the soil away and it's very destructive. And that's what he's saying here. If, if it hasn't taken root, it's not going to hold your life together. And when storms come, it, it can wash everything away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, verse 22, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So again, you're, you're sowing at the end of the year after the dry season, and in the soil there's loads of stuff. There's the good seed, but there's also the seeds of all the thorn bushes and stuff as well, but you can't see them. And when the rain comes, the good seed starts to grow, but also all the hidden seeds uh, that are going to make thorn bushes also start to grow. And they grow quickly and they choke the seed. So it's impossible to know until it starts growing what's in there. And verse 23, as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, does the work to understand it, thinks about it, he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. In Tom's, Tomato's case, 200-fold. One tomato to 200, just in the first batch. And then they're going to go again, you know. Um, and so understanding produces more understanding. Seed produces fruit, which produces more seed. And the kingdom of God spreads out from people. And so you've got this, just to come back to the hourglass picture, but that's what you've got. You've got God wants to change the world, right? There's so much that's broken, so much that hurts, and he wants to make everything new. But he's not just going to do it instantly and publicly and in one go. He does it by the seed of the kingdom being planted into our hearts. And we do the work to think and digest and receive by faith and understand and process and work it out. And then there's a fruitfulness that comes from lives that spreads out. That's the parable. That's what he's saying here. And um, how do we do this work of understanding? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, often I would just take one verse and lie a soak in it for a whole week. Which is lovely. You know, he's basically saying, I put the verse in my bath like bath salts and then I just lie in it for a week and just let that verse marinate my life. Um, for me, and, and this isn't a, everyone reads the Bible differently. Uh, some people are trying to read the Bible in a year, and so you're trying to do kind of four chapters a day. Uh, for me, in recent years, I've gone a lot slower than that. You know, my dad told me to chew 20 times. 
So for me in recent years, it might be not that much content when I read the Bible, but I'm looking for it to go deep. I'm looking to come back to the same thing over and over again. I read it, I don't understand it. I'll read it again tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And sometimes it just takes me a bunch of time uh, to be able to, for it to go deep and for me to think about it. And, you know, again, you might just take this verse today and spend the week thinking about it and letting it work through and seeing what happens in your life. And so don't, don't try and be a Julica who said, well, it, I've figured it all out and it's all simple and there's just one answer and that's it. That's the, that's the magic bullet. That's the technique. These things are rich and powerful. You know, a seed has so much inside it. Take time for it to work in you. Tom and Hannah, uh, with their tomato seeds, they were pretty confident that when they planted tomato seeds in their garden, they weren't suddenly going to have a mango tree appear. <laughs> they were pretty confident that it, planting tomato seeds would make a tomato tree. And Jesus is pretty confident that planting seeds of the kingdom will produce kingdom fruit. Because it's in the seed. It's, it's, it's not about whether the seed is faulty or not. You know, it's about the environment that it's nurtured in. Our hearts, our response, our faith, our obedience. And, and so when the seed of the kingdom goes into people's lives, it produces kingdom fruit the fruit of the kingdom of God. What, what does that look like? Well, that's what we're talking about this term. We're talking about what is the kingdom of God and what does it look like? And if, if we see the kingdom coming in Reading, what, what's going to change, right? And we'll be reflecting on that, but this is just one, one person's perspective. This is Lisa Sharon Harper. She says, evidence of the presence of the kingdom of God is thick wherever and whenever people stand on the promise of God that there is more to this world, more to this life, more than what we see. There's more than the getting over, more than getting by or getting mine. There's more than the brokenness, more than the destruction and the despair that threaten to wash over us like the water of the deep. There is a vision of a world where God cuts through the chaos, where God speaks and there is light. So she's saying, if we're going to carry the kingdom to Reading and beyond, this is one way of looking at what the thickness of that kingdom of God could look like as it works through our town. There's more Reading than what you know. There's more than wearing black t-shirts to the Reading match yesterday and throwing tennis pools on the pitch because the fans are frustrated. You know, there's more to Reading than just a football club, right? There's more than work. There's more than addiction. There's more than brokenness and frustration. There's more than just getting another degree and then another degree. There's more than sleepless night. There's more, right? And so we let the kingdom come into us and, and have its work and bear its fruit. And then the kingdom goes out. There's no shortcuts. There's no little kind of technique here. Um, I've been a parent long enough to know that you don't parent behavior, right? Because behavior comes and goes. Kid will behave good one day and bad another day. That's not what I'm parenting. I'm parenting where the behavior comes from. What's this kid seeing? What's this kid feeling? What's this child understanding? 
you know, behavior is communication. It's telling me something about what's going on under the bonnet. And in the same way, in church life as a pastor, we're not pastoring behavior. We are confident that the grace of God that has started a work in this community will grow and will bring it to completion. Our concern is let the people of God receive this gift, do the work to process and and dig it out and understand and let it do its work in us so that we bear kingdom fruit, right? So what do we learn about the kingdom of God from this passage? Uh, The kingdom is a gift, unmerited, undeserved, unearned. To you it has been given to know. And you might have just got stuck there and go, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's incredible. It's extraordinary. It's the grace of God who's gone, I choose you. Kingdom is a gift. The kingdom needs to be understood, chewed 20 times, thought about deeply, digested, processed, talked about with our friends, wrestled with. That takes work. The kingdom comes gradually, not all at once. Change comes gradually, not all at once. We, we want it all at once. But it takes a lifetime, it takes a generation, it takes 2,000 years, right? The kingdom starts small and then it grows. It starts secret and under the surface and then with time it appears and shows its fruit. The kingdom of God works inside your heart. You know, think slow-release medicine. It is healing you. Just sometimes it's healing you when you're asleep and you're not even aware, right? It's, it's changing you. It's working inside you. It's, it's fixing what is broken. It's putting things right. And the kingdom of God produces much fruit through your life. Can you imagine how much more precious you are than a tomato, <laughs> Right? And if God can so simply take tomato seeds and reproduce them and they're all over Whitley, imagine what he could do with you. Imagine what he could do with all of us together if we're the seeds of the kingdom planted into Reading, wherever you live. Imagine what fruit we could bear, 30, 60, 100-fold. Imagine the justice, imagine the mercy, imagine the changed lives that could happen. Imagine the joy that we could bring right across Reading. And finally, Jesus himself, of course, compares himself to a seed. Just before he goes to the cross, he he says, if a grain of wheat doesn't fall into the ground and die, it only remains one seed. But if it falls into the ground and is buried, it produces much fruit. And he's speaking about his own death. And so Jesus himself embodies this kingdom life and power and energy and he dies and he's buried and they thought they were getting rid of him. What they didn't realize is they were planting the seed of the kingdom into the earth and he was going to be the one that brought healing and renewal to all of creation. It's like the famous gospel story, Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, where Jack comes home and he goes, Mom, Mom, I've got magic beans. And his mom goes, what a load of rubbish and throws them out the window, but they fall into the ground and die and they produce a plant that grows up to heaven. Right? That's Jesus. And so even in him, we see these realities being worked out. Can we pray together? Lord, we thank you 
for your word, for your wisdom. We thank you for the gift of knowledge of your kingdom. We thank you for this seed that even today, through the teaching of the word, you're sprinkling into our hearts. And we receive it gratefully, like the soil. And we say, let your rain come and water it. Let it grow. Let it be hidden in our hearts. Let us do the work. Let the power of your seed work in our community and come out of us and produce fruit. Lord, we pray, find in us ears that hear, eyes that see, and hearts that understand. Work in us, we pray this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Andy. So just to say we've got a, we've just got a couple more minutes. Um, we've had a couple of people come up throughout the service and just wanted to share something. Uh, something around seeing the kingdom at work and someone else who, who hears from God, who hears what, what God is saying and has got a track record in that. So can I invite Aunt Anne and Kathy to come up onto the stage, please? So Anne just wants to share with, uh, with us something that, where she's seen the kingdom of God at work. I've been reading Matthew since we've been doing the kingdom story and in the week I've been very poorly I've had a, I, I have coughs and colds as most of you know this was horrendous it was awful I couldn't stop coughing I couldn't stop reaching couldn't stop being sick I was feeling really poorly but I was reading through the chapter in Matthew which comes after the Beatitudes where God just went Jesus just went from person to person to person healing Peter's mother, a child, a leper, just healing, healing, healing. And I sat there thinking and started a coughing episode. And I thought to myself, Jesus heals. I've just been reading a whole chapter of healing. Why can't Jesus heal me? So I prayed that he would heal this cough. And um, I woke up the next morning. I'm still coughing a bit, but no. God's done a miracle in my life of healing. That's a good thing. We need to say thank you, Lord, for that. But you see that, that understanding. She reads. The seed is there. And then she's like pondering on that, the understanding that Andy's spoken about and praise. Kathy, you've got some words of knowledge, haven't you? You've heard something of the yeah. kingdom. So I can just testify very quickly okay, as and, uh, the kingdom of God working. A couple of weeks ago, I think, Kathy, uh, Kathy gave a word about someone that's had um, some eczema and internal pain. I don't know if you remember that. And I came out for her to pray with me. The very next day, I had a dream of a surgery being performed on me. And since then, I've had all of that pain relieved. I've moved my bowels. My goodness. So... <laughs> wow. um, just to say that the kingdom of God that we talk about is practical, is real. And so I trust that what Kathy has to bring for us, if that is you, can I please encourage you not to be shy, step forward because there is power in, in the name of Jesus. Hi guys. Um, so before I came today, I just felt I had some words of knowledge for people in the room. Um, and... Um, yeah, they're quite specific. So I got a, um, I saw a C, like um, a K, someone's name begins with K. I think your name's Charlie. 
um, but um, it was definitely a C name. And I saw, um, yeah, so specific. I saw like an animal's claw, like a claw, a fist. And I don't know if it's a tattoo on your shoulder or that relates to you, but it was really clear. So I just wanted to share and I felt that you're in the room. And if that relates to you, please come for prayer. Um, I also got the word envelope. I feel like someone in the room has received a letter this week and it's not not been good. It's been it's something that's causing you stress, something out of your control. And I just felt if to that God's highlighted you and for you to come to prayer and we'll stand with you and that you'll know God. Uh, with you through whatever that letter is talking about um yeah I think God's got a sense of humor because of what Andy was preaching on I also got the word farmer so I feel like yeah before I came so um I feel like that's either your surname or maybe you live on a road in Reading called like Farmer Court or Farmer Drive or yeah or it was your it used to be your surname before you were married or so yeah I got the name Farmer and I also got the surname Swift so I, so I felt that was a surname but I didn't know if someone has like a Swift the bird on your clothing or on a tattoo um, so it's very sort of specific words of knowledge and if any relate to you please please come for prayer. So if that is you, Kefi's going to be down here. We'll get another couple of people down here as well. There's not a promise of healing. There's not a promise of whatever. But God is speaking to you today. We do trust Kathy's gift as she hears from God, hears something of the kingdom at work. And so if that is you this morning, come forward, receive prayer. But for now, we're going to wrap the meeting up. Uh, we're going to have teas and coffees just outside, uh, just outside the door out there. We are going to be meeting in person for the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock tonight down at the church offices. So it would be great to see many of you there. If you'd like prayer for healing, I think, Anne, you've offered to pray at the front. If you to pray for someone who's healing, we'll get a couple of other people to do that with you as well. But for now, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And we'll see you back here next week, have if not at the prayer week. meeting tonight. Have a great week.